Before we break open the word together, I'd like to take a moment of personal privilege. First to say, Happy Father's Day. Pretty important thing to say. But secondly, to say thank you. Thank you to my dear friend, Michelle Higgins, for offering me the opportunity to preach today. And thank you to all of you. As many of you know, St. John's was my church home for over 20 years. You sponsored me for ordination to the priesthood. I hope you're not sorry. <laughs> and my husband, John, and I were married in this church. And some of our deepest friendships abide from St. John's Church, Lafayette Square. Much of who I am and my formation has come and friendships have come from this place. So know that I say thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart. Please pray with me. Gracious God, from whom every good gift comes, send your spirit into our lives. By the flame of your wisdom, open the horizons of our minds. Loosen our tongues to sing your praise in words and to go beyond speech praising you in the silence deep within our hearts. Amen. Well, this Sunday brings so many different things together. It's Father's Day. It's Trinity Sunday. And this community of faith is on the one-week cusp of welcoming a new shepherd to lead you. And there's a temptation for any preacher to try and cover all those bases. You know, and on Trinity Sunday, that's three sermons in one. But you'll be happy to know that I'm going to try and keep it to one. There's a wonderful joke among clergy with some experience that when you get to a sufficient level of experience and hierarchy within the hierarchy, and you have control of who's going to preach on which Sunday, you manage to schedule around your preaching on Trinity Sunday. I mean, who willingly wants to get into that theological thicket of one God, three persons, one plus one plus one equals one? Um, it can get pretty deep pretty quickly. So in terms of Trinity Sunday, I'm going to say just a few things. One, I take a page from the book of St. Augustine, who wrote an entire book on the Trinity. And what I took away was this, that if you don't believe in the Trinity, you will lose your soul. But if you try to understand it, you will lose your mind. <laughs> Systematic theologian Daniel Migliori, I think beautifully captures the Trinity with the begetter, the begotten, and the breathe forth. But my favorite is really Frederick Buechner, who describes the Trinity, God, as the mystery beyond us, the mystery among us, and the mystery within us. Buechner says that, you know, no matter how fancy or metaphysical a doctrine sounds, that it was first and foremost a relationship. And that's really what I want to focus with you upon this morning is our ongoing relationship with God in the form of the Holy Spirit. 
Last Sunday, we celebrated Pentecost Sunday, which memorializes the receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Gospel of John, more than any of the others, teaches about the Holy Spirit. In chapters 13 through 17, which are known as Jesus' farewell discourse, Jesus systematically tells the disciples, his nearest and dearest friends, what's going to happen. And you know the story. He's comforting them because he tells them, I have to go. I have to die. That's, that's going to happen. And in their grief, he's telling them, but don't worry. I will ask the Father, and he will send you another, the Advocate, who will remind you of all that I have said and to teach you all things. He goes on to say that this Holy Spirit, this advocate, will guide you, abide with you, direct you, comfort you, empower you to go forth in God's Spirit. Most simply understood, the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is paraclete in Greek, is understood as one who comes alongside you and abides within you. Imagine that, that God's own spirit is with you every step of your journey, guiding you, comforting you, directing you, empowering you, that you need to look no further than the spirit that abides within you. What Jesus was saying in John, and the gift of the Holy Spirit as we understand it, is that the revelation of God didn't die with Jesus. That God sent the Holy Spirit to the disciples and to you and me. And that's how we understand God as the living God. That we are still being inspired by God's presence in our midst. And that seems like a really important thing, particularly for this community of faith, as you are preparing to welcome a new leader. I will tell you, in my ninth year now at Washington National Cathedral, I have more than a passing acquaintance of a change of leadership. It's something I happen to know a little bit about. And what I can assure you is, when Rob Fisher comes as your rector, things will be different. Things will change, and that's not a bad thing. If I leave you with nothing else today, it's be open. Be not afraid, as it says in the Bible over a hundred times, because obviously we get afraid. God will be with you. But change can be a little unsettling, right? I remember when early in my tenure at the cathedral, we were going to take on some big project, and People were understandably nervous about it. And there was, you know, a little trepidation, a little pushback. And at a critical board meeting, one of the board members stood up and said, well, the last person I remember who was eager for a change was a baby with a wet diaper. <laughs> you know who you are, but change is okay. And furthermore, change is coming. In preparing for today, I was looking at some of the wise words 
from your two previous rectors who were very dear to me and what they tried to impart to this community of faith, and I want to repeat them. The first was from John Harper. In 1993, he pulled a little booklet together as he was leaving St. John's, and he had this to say about change and transition. He said, travel lightly, leave your rigid ideas and your prejudices at home, and come to church open, receptive of a new and fresh movement of the Spirit. Wise words then, wise words today. And almost a year ago, in that very pulpit, Luis Leon, in his last sermon on Pentecost Sunday, said this about when we are touched and filled by the Spirit. He said three things will happen that you can count on. One, you will change. It's impossible to be the same person once you have welcomed God's vibrant and life-giving spirit into your life. You will be different. Two, you will have a mission to do. God gives each and every one of us something that is ours to do. And importantly, God gives you what you need with the gift of the Spirit to fulfill whatever it is that God has called you to do. And third, that when you've been touched by the Spirit, you want to gather with others who've been touched by that same Spirit. And that, my friends, is the church. And today it is this community of faith, St. John's Lafayette Square. Change is coming. I don't know what it will be, but I want you to be ready, be open, be enthusiastic. I can remember, I'll just share one of my experiences at St. John's, which is, I hope, helped to lead me in the rest of my ministry. And it was very, very shortly after Luis had arrived as rector. At the time, Togo West was senior warden, and I had the privilege of serving as junior warden. And very early on, the bishop had invited Luis and me and a few others in the diocese to come together to talk about Mission San Juan. At the time, this one Hispanic mission congregation in the diocese had been moved from church to church to church to church. And often it was because of a lack of financial resources. The church couldn't continue to support them or whatever the case may be. And this mission congregation didn't have the financial resources within their body. They were almost all immigrants from Central America. And as we listened to the story of God's faithful remnant, I felt the Spirit move in me. I looked over at Luis, and I knew God's Holy Spirit was working on him too. And we knew because we knew that St. John's was being called to be the new home for this missionary congregation. We also knew because we knew that it wouldn't necessarily be easy or very quickly embraced because change is hard, right? Many people, dear friends, 
pondered, well, what will that mean? What will that say about us? What will, how will that change us? And they were all really important, valid questions. And I'll never forget the day that it was time for the parish to come together to have a conversation about it. And when Togo stood up, he basically outlined the implications of what this would mean for St. John's and then opened it up for anyone in the congregation to ask questions or make comments. And someone who was unknown to me, I'd never seen this person, stood up and said the most vile, bigoted, hate-filled words I think that I'd ever heard. And I was aghast. This was my church. And I, I just couldn't imagine. I was hearing these things in my church. And I didn't know what to do. Togo did. Togo was no stranger to bigotry. And he stood up. He seemed even seven feet tall at the time, those broad shoulders. And he said, let me see if I heard you correctly. And he essentially held up a mirror and repeated back every vile thing that man had said. He said, did I hear you correctly? And the man said, yes, you did, and that's what I mean. And Togo said, this is a conversation about the moment and the merits of making this sort of move as a community of faith. And there's no place in this conversation for bigotry. Like now, you could hear a pin drop. The Holy Spirit moved. And if anybody had been sitting on the fence, they no longer were. They felt the Spirit. We felt the Spirit. And it changed the course, total course of the conversation. It didn't mean that people were totally comfortable but they knew it was the right thing to do, and they trusted Togo. My friends, I don't know what God's going to be calling you to do in this next chapter, but what I do know is that the Holy Spirit is alive and well. I bid you to be bold. Our world today needs boldness and courage of conviction to lift up the light and the light and the love of Christ that abides in each one of us. So I pray that you will be open, that you will do as Jesus calls each one of us to do, which is to love God with all that we are and all that we have, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, which means everyone, no exceptions. And in closing, I invite you to join in this wonderful prayer taken from one of our favorite Holy Spirit hymns. Breathe on us, breath of God. Fill us with life anew, that we may love what thou dost love and do what thou wouldst do. God bless you and thank you. Amen.